tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches talk about Any Way the Wind Blows by Rainbow Rowell. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount. And you may have noticed that we have different music in this here episode. That is because Spotify fucking sucks. And they keep, and we keep getting flagged for copyright violation, even with our beautiful twinkly piano version of Bohemian Rhapsody. So, R.I.P. Our copyright infringement <laughs> joy. Um, <laughs> hopefully, the new transition music isn't too much of a bummer. You can play Bohemian Rhapsody in your head between segments if you want. I encourage it. <laughs> Just uh, not on Spotify, because fuck those guys. Anyway, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> let's get into talking about oh, We have a bunch of other stuff to talk about first. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so, and other news. This episode that you're listening to right now is the last episode of Escape from Reality that will come out until August, because this year we decided to make it the year where... When I take a vacation, I don't then have to work extra to still be able to put out the episodes that I would have edited while I was on vacation. Revolutionary, I know. Hell yeah, so... take a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be off of this show in July, um, but we will be back in August. And our summer camp episodes of The Gaily Planet will still be coming out in July. So if you're going to miss us during the month, you should definitely be listening to those because it's going to be really fun. And also in July, at the end of July, something else really fun is happening. What is it, Jesse? We're doing a live show! Hooray! Uh <laughs> Sort of in honor of summer camp and of our new podcast feed, The Gaily Planet, which you should definitely be subscribed to if you want to hear us talk more about things that we are enthusiastic about. Check it out. But yeah, we're going to be doing a, a live show about Rocky Horror Picture Show, but not the kind of live show that maybe you're already familiar with where we're watching the movie together. We're just going to be talking about it unfiltered. <laughs> Correct. It's going to be so fun. If you haven't come to one of our live shows before, you're missing out. They're really great. We're going to be doing some like trivia. We're going to have some we're going to have a costume contest. We're going to be in costumes. We go all out and it's on Zoom. Everyone can come. So, you know, keep an eye on our social media for that. The tickets will go on sale about two weeks beforehand. The show's on the 29th. I might drop a little reminder in this feed when the tickets launch, just so that you all don't miss them if you aren't uh, subscribed to the Gaily Planet. And then uh, if you decide to join us to become our patrons, I will be hosting a live stream of Rocky Horror in our 
Patreon-only Discord channel. So if you're interested in that, throw us, throw us a couple of dollars. Heck yeah. And, you know, in case you somehow don't know this, our Patreon is non-hierarchical. So regardless of what tier you pledge at, you get access to everything. That live watch with Jesse is not paywalled. Yeah. Beyond being paywalled because it's a Patreon thing, you know? Yeah, just uh, take any money that you are maybe going to use to buy Pride stuff at Target and be like, fuck those guys, and give it to us instead. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, yes. Now, Jesse, will you please tell us what we are talking about today? Uh, Yes, we are talking about chapters four, five, and six of Any Way the Wind Blows. In which uh, Baz is also experiencing someone being like, fuck those guys, uh, because he bails Fiona out of a prison tower because she was caught breaking into the headmistress's office and proceed to spend the rest of the car ride arguing a bit because Fiona's a little bit stuck in the past and also... (laughs) is still have this like really deep obsession with the political power that the that the pitches used to wield and is also searching for a nebulous mysterious item that Natasha used to own and Baz is just like what the actual fuck chapter 5 penny has a lot she's really not told her mom about the past week uh aka everything that's happened since they left chicago essentially but it's not more important than love. I mean, helping Shepard. Mm-hmm. Uh, our dear sweet Penny, though, has somehow not accepted how much her mom is like her. Because admittedly, immediately mind wipes and knocks out Shepard the moment he says that he is a normal. Penny is appalled that her mom is so rude to her crush and her latest project. So she wakes him up and they both get the fuck out of there. Chapter six. Baz, continuing to have a terrible day, is uh, texting with Simon because Simon isn't allowed over at his house because of the whole making their ancestral home a massive magic dead zone, which, you know, could have happened to anyone. But um, also the whole being gay, doing crimes with Baz makes Simon not popular with his dad. Anyway, Baz is feeling vulnerable because it's only literally been not even two days since Simon's like, are you sure you just don't want to go off with lamb and Baz is like no obviously not (sighs) anyway Baz gets home to his family's new home and it's a total mess his younger siblings are out of control and his dad's at the end of his rope and Baz is like okay what the actual fuck yup alright just a reminder that we are spoiling the rest of the book and now we're gonna get into our first segment easy come Easy Go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. I just want to start by saying that I'm very offended that Penny is so shitty about Shepard's bisexual nerd vibe. She's so rude about his jacket in her head, not out loud to him. And I'm just like, Penny, I just wrote no in my book. I'm like, (laughs) you're so incorrect about this. (laughs) And it's also so funny because it's like... You still have this giant crush on him, and you just are just like, ugh, your jacket. And it's like, you fucking love that nerdy-ass jacket. You literally come from a family of nerds. Like, I don't know what I mean, Shepard in his last chapter told us that she dresses like Velma from Scooby-Doo, and she has the 
audacity to be like, Shepard looks so nerdy. You're like, baby, you two look incredible together. Like, you are an entire vibe together. You, what are you even doing? Yes, there's going to be like five couples at any given pride that are going to look exactly like Shepard and Penny this summer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Uh, and I'm happy for each and every one of those couples out there um, of various uh, genders and sexualities. Anyway, who doesn't love Velma? I'm just saying. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> my first thing is that we get Fiona in this tower chilling on a velvet chair. And it doesn't say, but I'm like, that chair is black velvet. I just have a mm. feeling I imagined, like, a royal blue for some reason. I don't know why. I was really going back and forth between, like, black and purple, because I'm like, both those are very goth colors. And I'm like, who put this furniture in? <laughs> like, why is there a velvet chair in your prison cell? I thought about that, too. Like, I was like, do the towers come furnished? Can you summon different types of towers? Like, dank towers versus, like, Rapunzel towers, you know? Yeah. And... Right, because there's like a writing desk in there, and I'm like, how how furnished is this? I think it's got to be a Rapunzel tower, you know? Yeah, I assume I assume so. Also, just because Baz is like, I had to wait until like dusk in order for the guard to be able to let me in, and I'm like, yeah, what? I know. Was it like fifty yards of like enchanted rose bushes around it too? Like, <laughs> goddamn! <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, so my next thing is that Penny's mom, not big on tact, no matter what, but her being so openly stoked about Penny's breakup to Penny is next level rude. It is rude as hell. It is so (laughs) rude. Like, what if she was devastated? That's, you can't just do that. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, Penny was devastated. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think she'd moved on a lot by the end of the week. She'd done a lot of processing very quickly, but, you know, still. Yeah. Extremely rude. I know. (laughs) I feel like considering, and maybe we'll talk about this in Silhouette, we get a little glimpse into Mitali's parenting style here. I'm kind of like, this does not surprise me. Yeah. My next thing is someone should just tell Penny that what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Oh, that was great. Thank you. I'm like, did did either of us make this joke yet? How did that? How? How did we not do that? Because the timing wasn't right yet. (sighs) Yeah. So... I only have one more thing here this week because everything else felt like it went other places. Uh, Baz's youngest sibling's name is Swithin, which like, sorry to any Swithins out there, but like, what a name. Also the kind of name that you're like, no baby has the right to be named Swithin. (laughs) Uh, Actually, this is, this goes actually really well with my next point, which is that all of the Grimm children have names like they're a cadet branch of the Adams family. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I'm like, y'all t- really trying to be <laughs> really high class goth over here. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, all right. I just have one more thing. Okay. <laughs> Which is, I am just endlessly charmed by Pip Penny's younger, youngest brother, who is like no experimental magic on me. And I'm just imagining some like, he's like 10 or 11 and he's just like squeaky voice. He's like, no, no, yeah. mom. And it's just <laughs> really funny to me. <laughs> I also like Pip a lot. <laughs> it just makes me laugh so much. Yeah. Pip better grow up queer because at just like no baby has the right to be named Swithin, no straight adult man has the right to be named Pip. <laughs> yeah. That definitely falls under the like drowned Victorian children naming convention of like trans mask people. Yeah. I mean, I feel like... He can he can grow up to be a twink, and that's basically it. Otherwise, he's going to have to change his name. <laughs> I mean, all the children in the family, like, statistically, one or two of them's got to be queer, so. Yeah, definitely. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouetto of a Man, where we talk about character development. Uh, we should start with Fiona. She is not in my good graces, this chapter. My first thing for her is like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like, I just feel like everything, Baz's POV chapter where we're interacting with Fiona, and I'm just like, you have gone from like charming dirtbag to like aggressively mean dirtbag. <laughs> she does definitely feel like someone who hasn't had a cigarette in three days. But this is definitely <laughs> written like someone who has either been someone quitting smoking or has spent time around someone who's quitting smoking. Regardless of that, though, the specific things that she's going on about just make me be like, you are so immature. Like, you are an adult. We don't know. How old is Fiona? She's like 40. Something like that. Yeah, like, come on, buddy. Get over it. You know, you know, actually what she kind of reminded me of in this chapter uh, is Ransom from Knives Out. Mostly because Baz is like, there's mice in the sofa. It's like classy slob. And mm. I'm like, we just get a little line about what kind of car this is, which I'll go over later. But it's like, you just imagine this expensive classy like vintage car that's just like falling apart and there's just pile like cigarette burns in the leather and it's like fucking sticky or something and i'm just like dude what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> on top of on top of her like she is just unnecessarily pissed at baz this chapter which is unnecessary but it's like fiona in what world do you think it's a good idea for your nephew, who is an illegal vampire in the world of mages, breaking you out of fucking prison? In no world is that a fucking good idea. She's such a baby. I, <laughs> I feel like this is sort of the other side of the coin where I feel like in book one, you really kind of get a sense that, you know, Baz and Fiona get along because they were both deeply impacted by Natasha's death but i feel like unlike baz who was able to like grow with that pain it's sort of like fiona sort of stuck in wherever she was like in her early in her 20s when that happened and just hasn't been able to move past it and sort of move past the sort of what could have been 
you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's sad, but I'm also like, you don't have, don't fucking lash out at your fucking nephew who is really the only person who seems to respect you in the family at this yeah. point. You know? Yep. Just because you're depressed doesn't mean you can't be an asshole. Right. Yes. Again, I don't know how much time you've spent around people trying to quit smoking. I, really, <laughs> I have some leniency for yeah. Fiona in the fact that it's been three days since she had a cigarette. And probably that's like the only thing she's thought about for the last three days. At least like I understand why she's like being a shithead to Baz. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's talk about Penny. All right. Let's talk about Penny. I just think that her mom gives us like a pretty good assessment of Penny the like you're addicted to danger so addicted to danger that you manufacture it when things get calm and Penny's like I do not and it's like literally the entire last book was exactly what your mom just said (laughs) honestly a lot of this book about her being like freaking out is just being like Simon is stable and is only a like moderate bad to deal with so you're really just throwing in all your focus on trying to save Shepherd soul yeah, <laughs> and it's like you need a project, and you have a danger kink, and it's okay to admit that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do really like though that it's so funny. I'm like Penny. What did you expect? What do you think your mom was gonna do? Like, were you just gonna lie to her about Shepard not being a normal until he was fixed? Because like, I think that she thought that. Shepard's problem would be more interesting than him being a normal would be an issue for Mm -hmm. her mom. Yeah. But also just deeply funny because like when Penny first met Shepard, it's like, oh, you know too much about magic. We're just going to mind wipe you and like leave you somewhere. (laughs) And I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, listen, none of us like to admit things about us that are like our moms, you know, and like it's hard. Um, but it's just deeply funny because it's like, they are so similar. <laughs> they are. They're so similar. I love that it starts with Penny reflecting on the fact that Simon has told her that and her being like, Ugh, no, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, it's like this, her reaction to Shepard was exactly your reaction, Penny. <laughs> yeah. And she has like experience and age and being happily married on her side to be like, no, get this motherfucker the fuck out of here. <laughs> Which is too bad. Cause I'm just like, it actually would have been interesting to see her being like, we're going to handle this right now. I know. <laughs> yeah. I actually also have Mitchell in this chapter if you want. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. First off, I want to say that she has so many funny lines in this chapter. The thing where she's like, Penny, where do you find all these tragic morons? I know. Like, laugh out loud. I was just like, your daughter has a type. (laughs) (laughs) Both in friendship and romantically. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, And then also her assessment of secret societies, where she's like, don't do it. Why do rich people need to have a convoluted secret and i'm like lololol <laughs> i know she what does she say wealthy people can't even earn their secrets with any integrity and i yes. was like yeah <laughs> yeah i love it i love it so much so much <laughs> yeah but then we get a bit where like she initially once shepherd takes his jacket off she's like oh you're fucked <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's like yeah i know and she's like no i was just this is my parenting style which is to say the thing and then be like well we're gonna fix it 
Right. And then, of course, proceeds not to fix it because she's like, oh, hell no. Right. Yeah, the conversation between her and Shepard, I think, is is so beautiful. And you're like, man, once she gets over this whole he's a normal thing, they're going to be really good buds. Like, he's going to be welcomed into that family so hard because they just... It's it's top notch. It's such a yeah. good conversation. Yeah. And I know it is it is really funny though to think about Shepard who we've seen befriend literal water gods and dragons who cannot charm Midley Bunts for shit. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I don't damn. know. I think she's pretty charmed by him. Not, you know, enough to do anything differently once she finds out he's a normal but like he makes her smile several times that's true and like even right from jump when like she's like oh shepherd you didn't take their sweets and he's like only because i wasn't offered any like i think she smiles at that and you're like yeah parents do love you shepherd yeah they're just gonna they're gonna be good buds i love it yeah no it is deeply funny and also yes shepherd would in fact eat candy from a deep <laughs> absolutely (laughs) gotta find out what happens when you eat candy from a demon (laughs) i hope it's very good i'm like if this is like cursed candy to take my soul this better be the best fucking candy i've ever had in my this better be like the fucking turkish delights that what's his face eats in the lion the witch in the wardrobe like if you're gonna sell your family out that better be the best fucking candy you've ever eaten (laughs) Mm -hmm. definitely agree (sighs) do you have anything else about her I know. It's just funny, the quickness in which she knocks, she like mind wipes and knocks out Shepard. It's like, Penny like barely has time to react. I know. <laughs> She's like, wait, what is happening? Yep. Uh, yeah, good thing that just rolls right off Shepard's brain. Yep. Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. And politics, which are usually both. Usually both. Um, so the coven has rolled back most of the mages' reforms, but I wanted to ask if you think it's actually like most of the reforms, or does Baz mean most of the reforms that were targeting specific families? My sense was that it was most of the reforms that were targeting the like old powerful families and not okay. like only magical families can get into Watford, you know, because that would be honestly a pain in the ass to roll back and probably not very popular. So. Right. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, again, the mage, I think, had pretty good um, ideas about a lot of changes that he wanted to see made to the world of mages. And I would think that it was pretty tragic if they were rolling back reforms that were like socially progressive. But I do think it's good to roll back reforms that, for instance, make it so that Baz isn't legally allowed to vote because specifically his family has had that right taken away. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get the sense that it's like whatever relaxing of sort of like, hey, other people have magic and not just pure blood mages, you know? Right. Yeah. Although we do, I think we know already, right, that they reinstated the tests to get into Watford. So I think that non-human magical people can still probably go to Watford, but like low-powered, quote-unquote, magicians seemingly can't again. 
which I don't feel great about personally, unless they set up some sort of alternative schooling situation for folks who don't test in. Yeah. And I guess that makes me kind of wonder, sort of because what we see in America where there don't seem to be any like formal schooling is so sort of all like done family slash probably community magical education. So I kind of wonder for people who are like low powered mages, if they're still able to like, you know, maybe still able to learn stuff, even if they maybe can't go to Watford. Though now that you, now that you say that, the fact that most of the world of mages, like if you're wanting to have kids, you're meeting your partners at Watford. So it does have some troubling ethics there. Yeah, totally. But I guess it's also, it's also never quite been answered if like, it is correct that only mages marry, like having kids with other mages creates mages. Like if say Penny and Shepard had a kid, would that kid still be magical? It seems pretty likely. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Which would thrill Shepard, honestly. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, even though he did sell, like, three of his firstborn children to promise them to various magical beings that might just eat them. So maybe... <laughs> no, Penny and Shepard's honeymoon is going to be them going around breaking magical contracts so that they get to keep their kids. Yeah. We are married in three dimensions, therefore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what's next? Primal needs some therapy. Oh, my uh, God. Because, I mean, showing signs of depression and also possibly PTSD, especially if one of his friends slash comrades of the mages marry men, like, try to commit suicide. Like, and Penny's just like, we're not allowed to talk about it. I'm like, that's so not healthy. I know. Yeah, it's um, pretty upsetting. And also, I don't know, really good world building, I thought, to be like, it's kind of kind of like, it's not just Simon who has been deeply and thoroughly traumatized by having pledged themselves to the mage thinking that they were creating a better world and then finding out that the mage was like, using them to like very nefarious ends without their consent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they should have a support group or something. They should. Oh, wow. Because Simon totally does have, like, people who can not, like, deeply relate, but relate, you know, at least in terms of the, I thought I knew what he was about, and then he, like, murdered Eb and tried to take her magic, you know? Yeah, and I feel like, right, if there's anyone that is going to understand Primal and the other young men that the mage roped in to his schemes like it would be simon so. yeah totally um so you know everything fun and quippy aside mentally bunce does deeply unethically be like it doesn't fucking matter what i do to shepherd because he's a normal capital n like penny he's not your friend he does he's not worth like he's not worth anything i can just fucking mind wipe him he'll go to hell never knowing why he's going to hell no big deal it's fine he's a normal so fucked up i know i hate it 
that's actually my last point too i'm just like what what i know <laughs> and even because right just mind wiping him from jump is like i bet there are laws about this Middly bunch like you are the headmistress of Watford um, and presumably on the coven so you probably know or at least suspect maybe ethically not a good idea (laughs) no 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 because we doesn't I feel like in the last book when Agatha is like running us through what to do if you get caught doing magic like this is I think that this is an accepted way of handling the situation like getting caught doing magic is something where you're like you have to address the situation i'm sure that she's absolutely within her rights within this ridiculous fucked up society to be like well i'll just wipe your wipe your memory no big deal it just seems ethically so dubious it's terrible it's so bad and it this isn't even a situation where what agatha is describing where it's like would it be the ethics of say mind wiping brayden about magic no scour that dude's brain completely out like why because you don't like him no because he has i don't want to say bad intentions but i don't think it would be ethic i don't it's not ethically right to mind wipe normals i think that that you could have presented case in say brayden's example where he is trying to extract magic and like essentially torture and kidnap people where if mages wanted to get together and be like, we just got to have this guy forget everything he knows about magic. I could see an argument being like, it's for protection of the world of mages. And honestly, for the world of normals, because no one needs someone like Brayden to have that much power. Yeah, sorry. I was thinking about it just in like, because when we have that conversation with Agatha, it's because Brayden saw her light a cigarette with magic. And I was like, Assuming you meant like in that context where Agatha's like, how do I deal with the situation? I was like, we don't know anything yet at that point other than he's like rich and annoying. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think they would feel totally fine just staking Brayden. But um, I can see your point, too. And uh, that would be a would have to be more than a single person's decision. Yeah, Like that would have to be a like collective decision about. The morality of doing that versus the sort of harm someone like Brayden could cause. In this situation, it seems like mentally could have gone on faith where Penny's like, this person needs help. They've helped me in the past. I trust them. Right. You know? And I feel like Penny's assumption would be like, right, like both intellectual curiosity and being like, I'm coming to you for help. And I, yeah, just sort of her almost reflexive like nope dump him in the street put him on a plane too bad about his soul yeah it sucks penny didn't even get a chance to be like mom he crossed his heart and hoped to die like he literally can't tell anyone you know yeah yeah it's terrible yeah and i mean of course good thing for the book that like shepherd is basically immune to memory spells which is great but had he not been that would have i'm not even sure if Middly even really weighed that if that had actually worked, like how that would have done potential damage to her and Penny's relationship and how she might have weighed that versus the greater good of like, well, this normal doesn't know about magic. So right, worth it. Yeah, she definitely seems like the kind of person who if Penny was like, 
if the, if it had worked and Penny was like, I'm extremely upset, like she just would have been like, well, you're being ridiculous. Like they could have potentially been estranged for like years over this. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. Do you have anything else here? I don't actually. I just feel like we have to mention the fact that Baz's dad tried to set him up with some girl, despite knowing that Baz is gay and taken. Um, Gross. So gross. So rude. Uh, Yeah. Very big. uh... (laughs) I know. What is he like? late 40s baz's dad yeah he's in his uh, 50s now i'm like i'm like extreme boomer energy yeah totally <laughs> to be like oh my son does meet the right girl i'm just like get with the program my dude he's gen x i guess right uh i think so yeah, yeah. like maybe the cusp of like boomer and gen x but also a pretentious rich dude so yeah which is like you have four other kids who are presumably, one of them is presumably straight and are going to have kids. So, like, <laughs> chill yeah, out. Yeah, but they're not pitches. Baz is supposed to carry on the family name. Hate it so I bad. And Baz and Simon, Baz is wonderful with children, apparently. Like, they'll adopt kids. It'll be fine. Those kids will be pitches because that's how families work, regardless of the you know, biological origin of the child, if that's your child, that is a continuation of the family lineage. So chill out, Malcolm Grimm. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. Uh, I only have one thing, which is, I know I talked about this earlier, but... I am really sad that we don't get the full, like, middly bunch trying to save Shepard's soul. Like, she's like, we'll need a team of occultists. We'll need a demon Rosetta Stone. I gotta, like, take all these photos. We got, And I'm just like, what? <laughs> I want to know so much more about this. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, I mean, I love that Penny's just like, I'm just going to, like, out-lawyer this demon. Like, that's... It's pitch perfect. It's like a cute story that they will tell their grandchildren, <laughs> their children yeah. about, whatever. Um, but I'm also just like, oh, we could have, we could have had it all. I know. So, and maybe an uh, intellectual problem like saving Shepard's soul could have helped. Oh my god, what is her dad's name? Martin. Martin have some more meaning in his life and not join a cult. He helps. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Uh. My only thing here is just about how much it bums me out that Simon, like Baz genuinely asks Simon to come with him to his parents' house. And Simon's like, are you joking? And Baz is like, yeah. Like, talk to each other. (laughs) I know. I know. Yeah. That's actually also a reminder that I still have not read Snow for Christmas. (laughs) Me either. I think maybe I'll just. Hold on to that until, yeah, later this year when we can talk yeah, about it. we'll read it for you all. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it would be safe probably for Simon to show up even you when... what? I'm a big fan of, like, not just, like, this is my partner, family. Like, get over it. It's in his family. They're too British and too wealthy to, like be overtly rude you know they're gonna be 
fine, even if inside they're being shitty, you know? It would have been fine, and then Baz would have felt better, so... Oh my god, I feel like maybe uh, Malcolm Grimm would have forgiven Simon if he would have came with Baz and then immediately distracted all the rest of the kids. (laughs) He might have been like, oh, thank God. (laughs) Totally. And I bet Simon also, I think we've talked about how Simon should work at a summer camp. Like, I think Simon would be great with kids. Uh, Kids would love Simon. Simon would love rolling around the dirt with some kids. I think it'd be good for everyone. So he could take like he could put take them flying like, yeah, you could just the best time. What could what could be cooler than a piggyback ride in the fucking air? Like, for real. (laughs) Yeah. On a dude who is half dragon, nothing is fucking cooler. Yeah, totally. Welcome to I'm Just a Poor Boy, where I remind you that Hashtag Ruthless Productions is me and Jesse, and we work a lot to make these podcasts. And we do that with your support, because we don't have ads, because we're anti-capitalist punks. So join our Patreon, or our sticker club, or both, or buy our merch. Yes, especially if you want some uh, cool queer-created merch by actual for queers, by queers. You know, just just throwing it out there. (laughs) Yep, this is a great month to buy merch from the Hashtag Ruthless shop. Hell yeah, give it it to your friends. Uh, Get ready for Pride by uh, buying some merch and... uh, getting out in the streets or in your home because COVID's still real. And you know, so whatever, whatever you're doing for pride, you could be wearing one of our shirts while you do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Links in the show notes. Check it out. Welcome to send shivers down my spine where we talk about sexy stuff. Um, Shepard is 110% flirting with Penny as they're going like from the tube to her house. And it's funny because Penny's pretty oblivious to it. But like this time I'm just like, oh, no, he's flirting with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't like uh, you're going to look back on this and be like, wow, how did I how did it take me so long? They're so cute. I can't I know. stand it. Uh, I and know. she's like, I would I would help anyone that I met who was cursed by a demon. But I do have to admit Shepard isn't just anyone that I've met. He is maybe a little special to me just because he saved my life. But also, he's hot. Right. He's like, oh, look at this. Look at this nerd. Like, really look at him. Like, really focus on, like, how cute his hair is and, like, how lanky he is and, like, how beautiful his skin is. Just really take it in to see what a nerd is. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, God, I love them. I know. Also relatable because I also never know people are flirting with me. So I'm like, honestly, Penny, I get it. Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and research that we did. I did quite a bit of research for this. All right. All right. First off, number one. Uh, I had to, of course, look up a photo of Fiona's car. Same. Okay, good. I was going to send it to you. Um, it took me a minute because Baz says in the book that it is 
uh, an MG 1967 in a very specific color of gray. And it is essentially a British, like a vintage British sports car. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the images, though, were of a two-seater. So I'm like, Baz, what are you talking about? But there is a four-seater version that's not a convertible <laughs> mm-hmm. that looks like it has a very small backseat. Yes, it does look very small. And I'm, <laughs> I just put in my notes that this car is like a Bond villain car. <laughs> <laughs> it is, totally. <laughs> uh, which I feel like just fits with uh, Fiona's uh, punk goth aesthetic. Aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> really well yeah it does because uh, f- uh folks this is sort of a like slate gray like a cloud gray car but the interior is like red leather <laughs> yeah it's definitely a very it's a very goth car yeah i guess all that i have left on my notes that we didn't already cover is just the spells that we get here absolutely in love with no trespassing as a getting a splinter out spell so good. I know. I wonder if you could use that for your like your teeth if you like don't like flossing. Huh. I would be so afraid to cast a spell like that in my mouth. Like what if you had like a cavity or like Ooh. an infection that you didn't know about and then like like it just seems like that could backfire spectacularly. You know, now that you're saying that you are right. Um yeah, I guess use use with caution. Yeah, there's got to there. I bet there's like a like a floss commercial jingle or something like that that could be turned into a flossing spell. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So we have let bygones be bygones, which is apparently a forgetting spell. Oh, I I looked up the origins of that. OK. I don't know if you did. Nope. I never look up the origins of the things unless I don't know the saying. All right. So a bygone is... Like a thing of the past, uh, I guess Shakespeare used it. Whatever fucking year Shakespeare did stuff, and so somewhere between like Shakespeare's time and I think like the fifteen or sixteen hundreds, uh, a bygone became like you want to forget a fight or like a debt or whatever, and then so we get this phrase "let bygones be bygones" is sort of just like let's forget all the you know all yeah, the bad stuff. Let the past be the past. Yeah, and I think with that weight, I'm like, oh, this is must this will be a very powerful forgetting spell. I guess the thing that made me catch on it is because I feel like bygones to me feels like connected to something specific and interpersonal. So it seems like that would be useful. Like it would be the kind of forgetting spell like Willow casts on Terra in season six where it's like specifically forget this fight that we had. Whereas I wouldn't expect let bygones be bygones to like wipe your whole memory of like a kind of event because there wasn't like, you know, this isn't just going to make Shepard forget why he's cursed. It's going to make him forget that he knows about magic. And that's seems, it seems like too specific a spell to work for something that broad to me. And I mean, I guess I wonder if part of it is, I guess I wonder if part of why Middley uses it is because she's just uh, such a powerful mage that she's confident that it's, it's going to just scrub anything about magic and interacting with demons like from his memory. Because you're, mm-hmm. you're right. It does seem like, it does seem like a thing that would, I don't know, uproot a shit ton of other shit in his brain that he probably needs. <laughs> 
like you would erase like him knowing about magic, but I don't know the last three years of his life or whatever too, you know? I don't know. I mean, I think that's actually the opposite of what I'm saying. I think the spell Uh, would be useful for like, you would have to mean a specific event. mm -hmm. Cause you say this to be like, can we get over this please? (laughs) Kind of. So like, I would expect this spell to work if you had like something very specific in mind. And I think that what she's casting it for feels like it is too broad a thing for this spell to work on. Yeah. I guess maybe she's thinking that Shepard only knows about magic because he met Penny and like met this mm. demon, but doesn't like Penny didn't even get a chance to explain Shepard's whole deal. So like maybe if she's under the assumption that he has been cursed recently and Penny stumbled upon him or whatever, then maybe she's like, I can just cut, you know, this out of his brain. You know, and yeah. then he can just go along on his life. Yeah. Because I think if she knew how much she knew about magic and magical people, I actually don't know what she would do. <laughs> He'd be in a tower worse than Fiona's. <laughs> yeah. I Penny used some pretty intense magic or memory spells, I think, in the last book that even Baz was like, oh my God, that is excessive. So I assume yeah. Midgley probably would have used one of those. I don't remember what they were, though. Yeah. All right. So then we see Rockabye Baby, obviously. Nursery rhyme. Puts you to sleep. Makes sense. Perfect. Um, And Rise and Shine. Again, very intuitive. Love it when they're intuitive. Yeah. I love that she has to touch his forehead for that one to work. I don't know why, but that feels very sweet and intimate to me. I love it. I also looked up the origins of Rise and Shine. Uh, Weirdly biblical origin. Huh. Uh, but the actual phrase rise and shine became part of the lexicon because I couldn't figure out if it was the, the U.S. Army or the British Army used it as like a wake up call, like rising, like, you know, starting somewhere in the 1800s, the 1900s. Interesting. So, I know. So, yeah, pretty, pretty old. I wonder if that'd be a good, like, getting over a hangover spell. Hmm. I mean, Shepard seems like he feels not great when he wakes up, so it probably doesn't help that much with how you feel when you wake up. Yeah. Yeah, what else do you have here? All right, I have two two last things. We get Penny describes to us a couple of the nerd patches on Shepard's jacket. Um, one of them says the truth is out there, which is a reference from the X-Files. Of course, Shepard watches the X-Files. He's of course, Shepard watches 110% a Mulder, like... And as someone who was obsessed with the X-Files, I'm like, I, I see you, Shepard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, so this is wild. And then the last patch, uh, I didn't actually get the quote. I got it. Hang on. Somewhere something incredible is waiting to be known. All right. So this quote is attributed to Carl Sagan, famously of, you know, in the 70s doing a whole like, science thing about space and being excited about space. Nerds love Carl Sagan. Mm -hmm. Um, Also wrote Contact, which is an excellent book slash movie. Anyway, so this is a tribute to Carl Sagan, but when I was doing research, it turns out that this isn't a direct quote by him. And it's attributed to Carl Sagan because this is actually the last line of a, of a like seventies Newsweek article about him where the author just like, put that in him as, as kind of like a last like wham line of her article. Hmm. Um, and 
So like sort of sporadically was then uh, attributed as a quote by Carl Sagan, even though it wasn't in quotation marks in the article. You know, that's not how the thing works. But interestingly enough, in 2009, Obama used that quote and he attributed it to Carl Sagan. And I think this probably is the start of the sort of contemporary popularity of that phrase. Huh. Because you can like get merch and like photos and inspirational blah de blah about it. I mean, Carl Sagan, I mean, he was a weird science dude in the 70s. Like he has a bunch of cool quotes about yeah. like science and space and like blah de blah. Um, but this is not one of them, it turns out. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> uh, so yeah, a very literal use of thanks Obama for that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. We will be back in August with chapters 7 through 11. Um, Between now and then, make sure that you are listening to The Gaily Planet so that you can celebrate summer camp with us. And don't forget to grab your tickets to our live discussion of Rocky Horror at the end of July when they go on sale in a few weeks. Yeah, check the show notes for all the things, and until next time, Scaramouche!